It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, Las Vegas? Good afternoon. It is Pushing the Limits time on a Thursday. So glad you could join us. And if you're not listening to us live on the radio on the AM dial, of course, we are streaming pretty much everywhere. You can stream us live on YouTube. Just check out the PTL Vegas page. You can see my beautiful mug. And, uh, of course, also the Facebook fan page, my personal Facebook page, and our Twitter page, which is Pushing Limits LV. So yesterday we had John Ralston on the show, and uh, of course we talked about the local elections and uh, on a national spectrum as well, but uh, John had kind of broken the story out about uh, Michelle Fiore and the comments she made at that Republican event the other night, where she made some awful comments about Amy Tarkanian, basically calling her a whore. I mean, that's basically what she did. Uh, and we have the audio, and we're going to play it for you here in a few, and Amy Tarkanian has agreed to come on the show and, and give us her reaction. Uh, obviously, she didn't deserve any of that. And uh, while I disagree with a lot of the things that Amy stands for politically, for somebody to make comments like that, and, and I'm not surprised, by the way, that Michelle Fiore made those comments. It, it's just awful. But Amy's going to come on and she's going to give us her reaction to that, the former Republican chair who has been called a Democrat by some in the Republican Party. She's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour to uh, discuss that. Coming up in hour number two, you know, we hear a lot about uh, Lombardo taking over as governor. What does it mean for Nevada? Well, from a sports perspective, Alan Snell is a writer uh, for LVSportsBiz.com. He's going to be joining us in hour number two. and We're going to talk to him about the article he wrote. From a sports perspective, what Steve Sislak has done for Las Vegas and will Joe Lombardo be able to continue that? Well, I don't have that answer, but I'm pretty sure Alan Snell does. So we'll be talking to him coming up in hour number two about that. So we got a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. We got a big sports weekend coming up. Um, you know, listen, the Raiders are on the road against the Denver Broncos. I have no idea. Well, maybe I do have an idea. I don't see anything from the Raiders that would lead me to suggest that they're going to go in there in Denver and win that football game. I mean, they might, but it's a meaningless game for the Raiders, but, uh, you know. I'm not going to be on pins and needles in that game. Let's put it that way. Of course, UNLV football with a big game. And normally when you're traveling up to Hawaii at the end of the year and you're talking UNLV football, it usually is a meaningless game, but this one is not. UNLV football has two games left in the season and they've lost five games in a row. So now they're in a situation where they have to win the next two games. This one being on the road against Hawaii and then they're at home against Nevada. They have to win. You got to start with this weekend. They have to win this weekend on the road if they want any chance of being ball eligible. And then if they do win this weekend, they also have to beat their in-state rivals, Nevada. Now, luckily for UNLV, these are two awful football teams that we're playing. Make no mistake about it. Did I say we? I'm not on the UNLV football team. I don't know why I said that. But make no mistake about it. If Arroyo does not win these next two games, this season's a failure. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, but Brian, they won four games. They won five games. It's an improvement from last year. Then it went to... It's a failure. Okay, stop it with the nonsense. 
If they don't make a bowl game this year after starting the year 4-1, and one, this year is a failure. You're playing in a very bad conference. You started the season 4-1. and one. I don't want to hear injuries about excuses, about injuries, and you know, excuses about injuries and excuses about this and that. No. You have to win against a horrible football team in Hawaii this weekend, and then you're going to have to come back home and beat your in-state rival, another very bad football team. If you don't do that, it is not a successful season. End of conversation. Don't care what Coach Arroyo says. I don't care what any of his staff says. I don't care what the people that drink the UNLV Kool-Aid say. It's a bad year. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more coming up later. As far as uh, anything else going on, uh, UNLV Hoops, of course, VGK Hockey, and uh, VGK coming off of a tough loss the other day. I don't know how this happened against the Sharks. Sharks are not a good hockey team. But the Knights have put themselves in a position. Yes, they've lost a couple of games in a row at home, but they put themselves in a pretty good position in the first month of the season, and they're winning a lot of games, unlike the Raiders. So uh, we'll get to that. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that stuff with Alan Snell from LV Sports Biz uh, as well. So as you know, Kerry Lake lost the election in Arizona. And everybody knew that if she did lose, she would contest the results. And if she won, you wouldn't hear a peep from her. Kerry Lake lost. She put out her first official public video, first statement since officially losing. And uh, I want to play for you because it is so ridiculous, almost as ridiculous as Michelle Fiore's comments. But listen to a little bit of what Kerry Lake had to say in regards to the election results showing that she lost. Have a listen to this. Hey, Arizona, Carrie Lake here. I wanted to reach out to you to let you know that I am still in this fight with you. For two years, I've been sounding it, the alarm about our... God. What does she mean she's still in the fight with you? You lost. The fight was over. And by the way, just because you go on a campaign and you go in your little bus and you stay in nice hotels and you make your speeches and you attack the media... That's not a fight. Carrie Lake has never been in a fight in her whole life. Trust me on that one. I've been sounding the alarm about our broken election system here in Arizona. <laughs> and this past week has confirmed everything we've been saying. Really? When we called for Katie Hobbs to recuse herself over a year ago, they ridiculed us. It turns out we were right. The fox was guarding the hen house. And because of that, voters have been disenfranchised. Okay, so first of all, there's lie number one. There is no evidence to prove that her opponent cheated or did anything wrong. When you make a claim like that, you have to have evidence to back up your claim. Oh, yeah. And by the way, if there are so many Republicans out there like Kerry Lake that had a problem with Hobbs as a secretary of state overseeing an election, then where were they when Kemp was running for office? He was in the exact same position. So if you didn't have a problem with that, you can't have a problem with this. The only reason why Kerry Lake has a problem with it now is because she lost. Franchise. When we raised concerns and I filed a lawsuit months ago <laughs> to get rid of the electronic voting machines, they said we were crazy. Well, it turns out we were right. Unelect okay, so first of all, she wasn't. Second of all, you have all these Republicans that are complaining about why it's taking so long to get the votes in, yet they don't want electronic voting machines. Make up your mind, you stupid bitch. Make up your mind, because that's what you are. If you think that the process is taking too long, then you need more voting machines. If you don't like voting machines and you don't want any in the process, then it would take weeks, maybe even months before finding out who won. So she is a hypocrite and she is contradicting 
herself. Now, she's talking about how the voting machines were, we were right. Yeah, a few voting machines went down in Maricopa County. Everybody had the opportunity to either wait it out or go to another area that could have been maybe 10 or 15 minutes away or fill out your ballot through paper and drop it off in the ballot box. Everybody still had an opportunity to vote. Turns out we were right. On election day, nearly half of all polling locations had problems with tabulating machines and printers. Malfunctioning tabulation machines forced voters to wait in line for hours to exercise their sacred right to vote. I talked to voters who waited in line for hours. One man told me he went to a location and there was a three-hour line because the tabulators weren't working. He drove 15 miles to another location and the printers weren't working. He drove another 15 miles and was finally able to cast his vote, but he's not sure it counted. Okay, so first of all, why would that numbnuts say that he's not sure his vote was counted? What evidence would he have to prove That his vote didn't count. No evidence. That's number one. Number two, if he claims that there was a three-hour line, then why did he drive 15 minutes away to another location? Does that make any sense to you? I waited in line for three hours, and then I decided at the last second, oh, you know what? I'm just going to go somewhere else. It makes absolutely – anybody with an IQ over 20 understands this story is complete BS. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, I don't think my vote was counted. Oh, really? I wonder why. Why why would you feel that way? Do you have evidence that your vote wasn't counted besides Katie Hobbs being, you know, the Secretary of State? Uh, I'm just curious. What what evidence do you have that your vote wasn't counted? Uh, The answer is none, ladies and gentlemen. None. Did. Our election officials failed us miserably. How? What happened to Arizonans on election day is unforgivable. What happened? Tens of thousands of Maricopa County voters were disenfranchised. Not true. Now I am busy here collecting evidence and data. <laughs> Stop Rest it right you- there. Stop. <laughs> She's collecting evidence and data. Is this the same evidence and data you collected claiming that Donald Trump won the 2020 election? You're collecting evidence and data. Hey, guess what, Carrie? I've collected evidence and data as well. And you're a crazy bitch. That's the data that I, that show. That's the data that I have. Go away. You're a threat to our democracy. You're a dope. You attack members of the media when you were in the media yourself. You're disingenuous. You're a liar. You're a fake. Everything about you is fake. From the eight layers of makeup you put on, from the lighting you have when you do interviews, to the things you say about election integrity and election fraud, everything about you is fake. You and Donald Trump have a lot in common. And I mean a lot, maybe even body parts too. I don't know. You guys have a lot in common. That's all I'm going to say. And the bottom line here, ladies and gentlemen, in real time, you're listening to a loser. Carrie Lake is a loser. Carrie Lake lost the election. She's a crybaby. If she won the election, it would have been just like Donald Trump after the 2016 elections. You didn't hear a peep from Donald Trump about election fraud. Carrie Lake lost, and that's why you're hearing Miss Crybaby. Assured, I have assembled the best and brightest legal team. Yeah, I and bet. We are exploring like Trump's every legal team. avenue to correct the many wrongs that have been done <laughs> the many this wrongs. past week. What wrongs? I'm doing everything in my power to right these wrongs. My resolve to fight for you is higher <laughs> yeah. than ever. Yeah, you're fighting for them. This movement yeah. 
started in Arizona and it quickly expanded to all 50 states. No, it didn't. It's a movement of mama bears. Your movement started in your bowels. That's where the movement started. It started when Donald Trump became president and you decided to wear the Donald Trump knee pads. That's when it started. To all 50 states. It's a movement of mama bears and papa bears and students and Arizonans who love this country, who want secure borders who want schools that prepare their children for the real opportunities that are out there. It's a movement of Arizonans who want safe streets once again and want the drug crisis to come to an end. It's a movement of Arizonans who want prosperity and the pursuit of happiness. That movement is stronger than it ever has been. And I can promise you one thing. This fight to save our republic has just begun. I love you, Arizona, and I love you, America. No, it hasn't, Carrie. This fight that you claim you've had is over. You lost. They're not going to overturn the outcome of the election. There is absolutely no widespread voter fraud that would lead any reasonable human being that's not biased to believe that you won. You didn't. You lost. And it's the same evidence that you claimed you have that Donald Trump won the 2020 election, yet you've never shown anybody. You are a liar. You are a despicable human being. You are what is wrong with politics today and particularly the Republican Party. And the voters have spoken and they didn't want you. And your opponent, not even a good opponent, beat you. Your political career is over. You're not winning in the future and you didn't win now. Now, Donald Trump may in fact choose you as to be his vice president. The overwhelming majority of Americans will not vote for you and they will not vote for Donald Trump. It's over. The reason why Republicans didn't have the night that they thought they were going to have last week is because of people like you, the crazies, the Jim Marchants of the world, the election deniers, people who show blatant disrespect towards the electoral process, people who say they want their opponent hanging from a crane, people who make horrific comments about other people because they don't support you. That's why the Republican Party is not winning right now. Now, listen, there are a lot of Republicans throughout the country that did win, but overwhelmingly, the party is in shambles. And it's because of people like Carrie Lake. It's because of people like Michelle Fiore. Make no mistake about it. That's why. And I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Las Vegas Councilwoman Michelle Fiore As you know, she lost her bid for state treasurer, and she went on a diatribe the other night against former Republican Party chair Amy Tarkanian. Amy Tarkanian endorsed Fiore's opponent in the race. She spoke at the Nevada Republican Party event at Stoney's. I'm sure many very respected and wonderful people were there, like Ronald McDonald, Mike Ronald McDonald, the Republican chair now, who is a disgrace himself. Michelle Fiore went on a tangent. I'm going to play you some of the audio now, not because I want to endorse anything that Michelle Fiore said. Let me be very clear. I don't. It's horrible. But I want you to hear it for yourself. This is Michelle Fiore speaking at this event, the Nevada Republican Party event at Stoney's Rockin' Country on Tuesday night. Have a listen to this. This girl... Miss Alcoholic, that she is. This panty dropper after two shots. Okay? This girl 
If you want a piece of Amy, give her two shots. She'll give it to y'all, okay? This girl campaigned against my best friend, Golchak. In Brooklyn, she'd get a beating, but here we have a couple of other rules, so we can't break her fingers. You know what I mean? Just kidding, just kidding. I didn't break anybody's fingers, it's all a lie. Anyway. Wow. You need to understand, Amy never represented this party. She was a chairwoman for five months, about to be recalled, and she quit because she knew her time was up because she was useless as on a board. You know what that means? Oh my God. I wasn't gonna say any of this tonight, but I have to tell you, when you drive up and down this state, we've got 17 counties, and this alcoholic bimbo who smears the Tarkanian name, smears it, makes Jerry Tarkanian rest in peace turning over in his grave that his stupid son Danny married a stupid waitress from Fresno and now screws everybody when they're campaigning after two shots and now she's working for the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. I worked with A. Ron Ford. He was a senator. I was an assemblywoman. Now, I don't know how snugly Amy got with Aaron, but I'm gonna tell you something ain't right. And I know it's two shot Amy Tarkanian, okay? So, you know, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. This is what I'm gonna tell you. The rules have changed. The rules have changed. You, you, Utter disgrace excuse for a human being. By the way, I will give a few people credit there. You heard a few people in the crowd. While most of the idiots there that were clapping, and you got that dumbass, uh, the party chair, Ronald Michael McDonald, who's just standing there like a doofus, allowing this to happen. Most of the people there were not booing, but there were a few that I will give credit for, one of whom recorded it, and I give her all the credit in the world because she was threatened to not release this video, and she still did, and I give her so much credit for doing that because that was brave of her to do. And there were a few people, like the person who videoed it, and a few people around that person that were saying, you know, that that didn't approve and said, no class, get off the stage, no class, and they're right, and I applaud them for that. But where was everybody else? Where was the leadership? Because there is no leadership, because this is what the Republican Party is, at least in Clark County. This is the Republican Party. And if they don't like me, I don't care because I don't want to be liked by disgraceful people like Michelle Fiore. I left her a message, by the way, and I uh, gave her the opportunity to come on the show today. Crickets. I'm sure she will not. I think um, Numchuck actually heard me leave that voicemail, didn't you? That was a golden message. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Well, listen, I'll be honest with you. I left her a message. I said, you're a coward. I said, Amy Tarkanian is coming on the show at the bottom of the hour. I also congratulated her on her loss. Said, congratulations. And I said, Amy Tarkanian's coming on the show. I'll give you an opportunity to come on and defend your disgraceful comments. Of course she won't do it. Why are people afraid of this disgusting woman? Disgusting. Why are people afraid of her? Why are Republicans afraid to speak out against this horrible human being? You won't hear that audio, speaking locally now, right? Conservative talk radio in Las Vegas, right? 
You won't hear that audio on the Alan Stock Show today. You won't hear that audio on Kevin Wall's show today or Wayne Allen Kook. Why is that? And let me ask you a question. If a prominent Democrat or a well-known Democrat with the Democratic Party basically called another Democrat who was the former head of the party here a whore, they'd be talking about it all day today. Here's the difference between me and these scumbags. If that was a Democrat, I'd be doing the same thing. I don't care if you have an R or a D next to your name. Because somebody doesn't support your campaign, you allege that they're a whore. Because somebody doesn't support your campaign, you threaten violence against them. You defame them. You allege that they had an inappropriate physical relationship with somebody that they support. Amy Tarkanian is a happily married woman. She's a mother. It shouldn't matter whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. I will call you out. But for conservative talk show hosts, by the way, it's all across the country, but particularly here in Las Vegas, those talk show hosts that I mentioned, all they are are Republican echo chambers. That's all they are, and that's all they do. I am not a Republican echo chamber. I'm not a Democratic echo chamber. It's not what I do. I call it out as I see it. This is disgusting. And for the people out there that cheered are the same idiot magas that cheer at a Trump rally when he incites violence. Same types of people. When Donald Trump makes racist remarks at one of his rallies, the people that cheer are the same people that cheered the other night in Las Vegas when Michelle Fiore made the comments she made about Amy Tarkanian. Exactly the same. There's no difference. It's disgusting. I've had my disagreements with the Tarkanians. Certainly had my disagreements with Danny Tarkanian. I've interviewed him dozens of times. We've gotten into it on social media. Sometimes it's gotten a little personal. I don't want it to get like that. Never have I ever gone after his family. Never have I ever said anything even close to what Michelle Fiore said. Because I believe they are still decent human beings. Amy Tarkanian is a good mother, a good wife, and a decent person. We can disagree on policy and politics. Nobody should ever go that route. And Michelle Fiore should be disavowed from everybody within the Republican Party, especially the leaders like Ronald Michael McDonald, who hasn't said anything. Everybody should make sure that Michelle Fiore never gets the opportunity to run again for office. This should disqualify her ever from running again. She is a disgrace. And she's ugly on the inside. I won't comment on the outside. I think you know my opinion probably on that one. But uh, that's here nor there. She is a disgrace. And I wanted to give Amy Tarkanian the opportunity to come on. And even though we've disagreed on politics and policy, she agreed to. And I appreciate that. So coming up next, we'll get reaction from Amy Tarkanian, the former Republican chair here uh, in Las Vegas. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing Limits right here on KSHP. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas's top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. 
No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn, that true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Welcome back. It is uh, Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. So glad that you can join us. Like I say, I try to call things as they are on this show. It doesn't matter whether it's a Democrat or Republican. If you do something that is uh, beneath office, if you do something that is disgusting, repugnant, I'm going to call you out for it, you know, and uh, I try to do that on a regular basis. Uh, it just seems to me lately, especially here locally within the Republican Party, that the extremists out there uh, seem to be a, a topic of discussion lately. And, if, and sadly, Michelle Fiore being one of them. We know what happened with the physical altercation that took place between her and, uh, Seaman. We, we know that whole situation. It's Seaman now filing a lawsuit or she has already filed a lawsuit. Michelle Fiore is not, uh, it's not, uh, anything that I haven't already talked about when you put panties on your face, mocking people for wearing masks. Uh, it's, it, it's beneath the, the office. I, I think probably we all could, uh, agree on that. And I've, I'm not going to play those comments again. I played them in the first segment. We know what Michelle Fiore said about Amy Tarkanian. Any reasonable human being would would, would tell you how horrible and disgusting it is. Uh, it's just terrible. And uh, it needs to be called out. And joining me right now, uh, I appreciate Amy Tarkanian joining us uh, to respond to this. Amy, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you coming on with me. How are you? I'm good, actually. And I want to say thank you as well for calling out uh, the repugnant comments. And uh, they are very reckless. And you mentioned Councilwoman Seaman and her 
uh, lawsuit that she's got right now going on in regards to the physical attack that took on and uh, took place in City Hall. During those comments, and I don't know if you played them or not, she actually thought it would be funny to threaten me physically and say that if we were in Brooklyn, I would take a beating and then continue to say that she would break my fingers. Yes, I played that. I played the whole thing unedited. And the lady, I'm sure you've heard, Amy, who recorded that, my understanding is she was threatened not to release it. And I'm glad she did. And I will give people around her some credit because there were a few people around her that were not very happy with Michelle Fiore's comments. But I want to I want to ask you this before I get to Fiore. What do you make of the fact that Michael McDonald and some of the Republican leaders here have not called out her statements? What do you make of that? What does that say about the Republican Party here? Well, they should have taken the mic away or turned it off, number one. Number two, he actually participated in in a later uh, portion where he unleashes his attack on both Danny and myself and the other Republicans who decided not to fall in line with voting a straight ticket and actually have the audacity to question some of the quality of the candidates and um, and actually question maybe the strategy or the lack thereof that had been going on for many years underneath Michael McDonald's chairmanship. And so if you're going to lash out on people that disagree with you, that's that's all it is. That's what politics is. It's it's the art of persuasion. And if you're not able to sell your issues, your ideas, or your candidate, then guess what? They're going to go somewhere else. And that's exactly what a number of us Republicans chose to do. And so he too uh, threatened the Republicans. And and I can't I can't you know re- recall exactly word verbatim, but it was something along the lines where you you would. Hear from a mobster or right. a thug. We're going to find you. We know who you are. I think that, yeah. that's what you're finding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it was, uh, your day is coming. Right, right. Yeah, it's just horrible. It, it's terrible. I mean, you know, she went into detail sent calling you an alcoholic, right. uh, saying, you know, two shot, you know, uh, Amy, uh, we all know what yeah. that means, which is absurd. Uh, I'm going to say this and then uh, I'm going to say this, uh, and I think you, you know this about me, but listen, I haven't always agreed politically with you or your husband. I've interviewed your husband a gazillion times. The people that know you well, that I'm friends with, they all tell me the same thing about you, that you're a good mother, that you're a good wife, and that you're a good person, right? And and I've never said anything even close about you guys to what Michelle Fiore said, and I never would, by the way. Uh, There's a difference between maybe getting a little emotional and disagreeing with somebody politically, and then taking the step that Michelle Fiore took. Um, Mm -hmm. I have to ask you this. Are you going to file any type of defamation suit against her? I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, have you even thought about that? Well, we currently, me and two other Republicans, are in the middle of a defamation lawsuit against the state party executive director and another uh, central committee member because they were going around um, peddling the lies that we were profiting and being paid uh, to make these endorsements, which that in itself is also reckless because what that does is then it, it hurts possible business, right? It, it, it puts uh, questions into possible clients' minds as to if you are trustworthy or not, and if you are an honest human being. And so that's another area uh, that we're dealing with as well. Um, so I did send the clips to our attorney to take a look and see if if there can be any amendment made to the lawsuit. So I haven't heard back yet, but I can tell you um, 
everyone is pretty sick to their stomach over these uh, repugnant comments. And let's not forget, too, what did she actually allude to the reason on me supporting her supposed best or not supporting her best friend, Sagal Chada, for attorney general? She's claiming that the attorney general and myself may be having an affair. Yeah. Do you know how terrible that is when you are married, number one, you're happily married, right. and you have a family that now they have to listen to, to this gossip that is farthest from the truth? It's, it is just so, um, so detrimental. And, I, and I'm actually embarrassed for them. I don't think they're embarrassed for themselves, though. Probably not. And, and you make a good point there. What do you make of, I mean, we talked about, you know, McDonald not doing anything and nobody taking the mic away. By the way, the first time I heard this, that was my first reaction. Why didn't somebody take her mic away? And what do you make of the people out there that were cheering? Luckily, it wasn't the majority of the people that, but there were people that were right. clapping when she was making these comments. I, 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 I'm like, I, the only word that I could use is despicable. What do you make of these people that were actually egging her on and cheering for her? It is despicable. And unfortunately, we do have a portion of the party that have been brainwashed. And they think that by uh, misbehaving, by being a bully, by harassing, by uh, name calling, uh, that it's going to behoove them and benefit them. And all it does is it creates more division and um, more anger. And then you actually have a number of reasonable, rational human beings who no longer want to participate. You don't even have to say you're no longer welcome because you don't fall in line with us. We're going to call you a rhino and everything else under the yeah. book, you know, in the book. Um, we don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. And so the pendulum is actually going to swing at some point to sanity. And I will be more than happy to, to remain as a Republican and not participate until that day comes. So would you call yourself right now an independent? I mean, I know you're a staunch Republican. They accuse you of being a Democrat, which obviously you're not. That's a ridiculous right. statement. OK, but like which because I think it takes courage. I'm going to be honest with you to not vote party lines, being a former Republican chair and supporting a Democrat. I think that takes some courage to do what you did. And I applaud you for doing Thank that. Uh, I would say the same thing about a Democrat. If you only vote on one line, but you support it. I voted for some Republicans in this election. I'll be honest with you. A few of them lost, but I know them. They're decent yeah. people. And I voted for them. I didn't vote for every Democrat along the line either. I appreciate that about you. Would you call yourself an independent right now? No, I would still call myself a Republican, but if I had to choose a, a second option, it would probably be nonpartisan. Right. And I think that's why you're actually seeing third party growth um, happen at the speed that it, that it is. And I know Republicans like to sit there and say, oh, well, it's all the DMV's fault. You know, if you don't check that box, then you're automatically put into the uh, nonpartisan position. Yeah. Okay, yes, that is true. However, I do know many people, and that's on the left and on the right, they just say, look, I'm done with the toxicity. I, I just, I don't have a home anymore. Right. And so they've switched to nonpartisan. That's why you even saw somebody like Andrew Yang, who ran for president as a Democrat, start his own party called the Forward Party. I met him face to face for the first time about a week or so ago. And he was a lovely human being. Do we agree on everything? Yeah. No, but you know what we could agree on? That we're not happy. We're not happy with the way that this country has been going, whether if it was under President Trump or President Biden. We're just not happy because we don't feel like we have representation. Right. What, what would you say and would you agree with me that 
the election deniers out there, whether it be locally, the Jim Marchants, Adam Laxalt, mm-hmm. Sagal Chattis, they all lost. Not one secretary of state in this country that's a Republican and an election denier won. Do you think that that is a statement? Now, there are some election deniers that won races uh, in, in this country. There's no question about that. But the overwhelming majority of how I would characterize them as the nut jobs out there did not win. Kerry Lake in Arizona did not yeah. win. Is that a referendum on the Republican Party? What do you make of that as the former Republican chair here? What do you make of that? Well, it definitely wasn't the right message. Do we have uh, some issues where we can possibly clean up and maybe improve? Yeah, always. I think that would have been a more healthy conversation. The fact that uh, due to the pandemic, we had a Democratic trifecta and they made some election changes um, with our laws. So now we have ballot harvesting, which was a felony two years prior. But guess what? It's now legal. And then you had all mail-in ballots. And I know many people were not happy with that. But then guess what? That means then you probably need to do a better job at trying to get really good candidates out there to run for the state uh, legislature and the assembly. So that way those changes can maybe be made. Right. If you had an opportunity to sit in a room with Mike McDonald now and or Michelle Fiore, what would you say to them? I wouldn't. I would probably just smile and and go about my business. Um, I don't have the desire to um, hang out with people that are um, so quick to, to hurt other people um, that are, you know, they don't think twice about the repercussions. I don't think they actually care about the repercussions as long as it benefits them. And I think that's very sad. Um, and, you know, Michelle was very quick to say that, you know, stupid Danny Tarkanian married a stupid waitress yeah. from Fresno. And then invoke my father-in-law's name. Yeah, he just, didn't know who she was. I mean, she just she was just rambling because she's angry. She's right. sad that she lost. She, I get it. I've been I've been in the winning column and I've been in the losing column. I get it. But for for them to lash out in the manner that they did without the blink of an eye yeah. is mind blowing. Yeah, I, I'm sure you probably agree with John Ralston. He came on my show yesterday and he alluded kind of to what you just said is, you know, what they should be doing is they should be looking in the mirror why they lost. And they're just mm-hmm. looking for a fall person, you know, and, and they want to blame you, I guess, instead yeah, of I'm looking in the villain. mirror. Yeah, instead of looking in the mirror, right? They should be blaming themselves. Well, I asked my friends that were actually in attendance that question. I said, was there any talk of self-reflection at all at that meeting? Anything? Was there anything that they could have discussed where they said, you know what, here's where we could have improved. Here's where we did great. Here's, you know, maybe what what we need to, to fix next go around. Instead, it was just one giant attack and in. I'm the new villain. Their their last villain was Barbara Sagasti, unfortunately, and now I'm this yeah. this season's villain. You know, and it's as if it's some sort of bad thing that you are a waitress, you know, and, and I hate to say this, right? but I'll compare it in this instance, I'll compare it to AOC, where I hear a lot of right wingers out there, maybe not a lot, but but some of the whack jobs out there that go after AOC because she was a bartender. And I'm like, listen, if you don't like her policies, I don't like all of her policies. If you don't sure. like some of that, then let's talk about that. But to attack a woman who paid her way through school and worked hard as a bartender, what is wrong with that? What's wrong with being a waitress? And by the way, we live in a city in Las Vegas, as you know, Amy, you lived here for years. It's a service industry city. And she's mocking you for being a waitress and calling you stupid. I mean, listen, I don't agree with you. And how long ago was that? I was a waitress when I actually met my husband in Fresno. And we've been married now for almost 20 years. So that that was, uh, you know, quite a stretch 
for for an attack um, on what I did 20, over 20 years ago. How, Amy, you know, Oscar Goodman is a friend of mine. I love Oscar. He's like my the cool grandfather I never had, you know, and he comes on this show all the time. But I said, Oscar, why are you supporting Michelle Fiore? Why are you endorsing her? And I named some of the horrible things that Michelle has said over the years. And his only response to me was, well, you know, she's my friend. And I was disappointed. And I'm disappointed in anybody that would still support this woman. What would you say to people out there that want will want her maybe possibly to run again? What would you say to them? Well, I mean, they are entitled to have their opinion. I mean, that's what makes America so great. And, you know, in politics, you are able to make those choices. I would hope that you would do your homework. And I think that's also part of my job as a political pundit uh, to go out and to tell the truth. And I've had a number of people who actually have given me more praise than, than negativity. However, there are still those people out there who choose to keep their head in the sand. And so when I say things that, um, are hard truth, or, you know, I call balls and strikes, or if I'm rattling off numbers, you know, numbers are numbers. You, you don't change those at the end of an election. Right. And I can point out where I saw the problems and where I saw the promises. Um, some people still get upset with me and, and I tell them, look, I'm not, I'm not here to be your cheerleader. I'm here to tell you straight up what I see and why I see it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like that, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I guess yeah. I, I didn't do a good job enough of explaining the situation, or maybe you just choose not to see yeah. the situation. So since you are that person that calls balls and strikes, then I have to ask you this question. I'm sure you've already been asked it before, but is it a good thing for the Republican Party that Donald Trump just announced his presidency uh, campaign for 2024, his run? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I know most people were hoping that uh, he was going to hold off until after December 6th um, with the Senate runoff in, in Georgia. Uh, I think everyone knew it was inevitable that he was going to make this announcement because he's been doing all of these rallies for all of these other candidates, but in conjunction with the the promise of still keeping his base around for his run, right? Now, I will say, I will give him credit that at his announcement, he was cool, calm, and collected, right? He was more of the statesman that I think the, the nation actually desires. I liked a number of his policies, but the fact that you're hearing from so many that they're looking for another option, such as a Governor Ron DeSantis, such as a Governor Glenn Youngkin, um, such as a Nikki Haley, mm -hmm. it's because of the fear that He's not going to be able to stay in control and he's going to lash out just like what we saw against Gov uh, Governor Ron DeSantis recently and Yunkin in, in a manner that was totally unacceptable and uncalled for. And it's only because he views them as a threat. Now, however, I think that's also been part of the problem on why we see uh, the behavior or misbehavior uh, with some of our local candidates here in Nevada, along with some of the state party members. They all feel that it's okay to emulate that behavior and that they view themselves as being strong or tough with the more, uh, you know, lashing out that they do with the more bullying and fear tactics that they use. They all think that's a winning strategy mm -hmm. and it's not. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with you 100%. For just joining us, she is Amy Tarkanian, the former uh, Republican chair here. So I want to ask you this. Do you feel like there should be any accountability as far as Donald Trump goes for January 6th? And if, in fact, he did take these documents to Mar-a-Lago, which I would imagine were classified, I don't think the FBI is lying about that. Do you think he should be held to account and responsible for for that behavior and those actions? Well, that's tough because the reason why I say it's tough is you can't control what everyone does. Now, he was really good at at getting people riled up. He's really good at either making people extremely happy or, you know, angry. And so when you've got somebody in that position who is questioning the process, who's questioning the authority, who it uh, I think to some degree, yes. But did he actually say, let's go storm the Capitol? He didn't say that. But I think the fact that that entire event was leading up to the fact that, yeah. yes, they were all going to march, whether that was peacefully or or pick up a pitchfork, they were all going to take that that walk together. And so, unfortunately, it ended up with the way that it yeah. did. And I, I mean, you can go back to my Twitter feed on that night. I'm literally, in all caps, yelling for him to speak up and to do something. Why do you think you know, he didn't, anything. Amy? Why didn't he? I don't know. And, and I, I don't know. And I think that was so upsetting and disappointing because now that we're hearing little bits, you know, come out that he had family members, you know, he had close, close uh, advisors saying, why aren't you saying something? Why yeah. don't you go out? You know, he could have done, everyone says this, he could have done that George W. Bush moment in 9-11 and taken a megaphone and said, right. knock it off. You yeah. know, hey, we're all here to, to do to do." Amy, great you know things. what? Let's you know, stop. You're right. That was a great moment for George W. Bush. I'll give you my opinion and my answer. I think because sure. he probably enjoyed it. I think he liked people chanting out, hang Mike Pence. I think he liked the fact that people were defecating on Nancy Pelosi's desk. I think he enjoyed it. And I think he was sitting there for, for hours laughing and enjoying it on television when we all know he could have done something about it. He didn't because I think he's all about himself. So, so with that being said, let me ask you this. If Donald Trump and he's, he's the guy that's running on the right and it's a moderate Democrat, mm-hmm. who do you, and again, I know that's a very generic question because I don't know who that moderate Democrat would be. Yeah. I'm just curious. You wouldn't immediately vote for Donald Trump, right? You'd have to think a lot about that. I would imagine, Amy, right? Well, you know, what's interesting is actually I've had two conversations this morning with Republicans, diehard Republicans, who actually think in the end he's not going to follow through with his run because we're hearing from so many Republicans. Um, even Governor Christy Nome is now on record as saying, you know, he might want to sit this one out. Yeah. And so when you're starting to hear from Republicans, you know, across the board question, mm-hmm. you know, if he should be doing this or not, he may end up losing that financial support, you know, that he was hoping for. And he may end up losing uh, the support of those already in office that he was planning on on having. So I don't know if he's actually going to follow through or not after I've had these conversations this morning. He might not. I've heard that as well. Uh, I think his ego is tough to put aside. And I think that might yes. be the only reason why he, he, he sticks it out. But again, We'll have to uh, wait and see what happens. As far as the uh, race goes here in Nevada, as far as governor goes, what are your thoughts on Lombardo? What are your thoughts on on him as sheriff? And what type of governor do you think he will be? Well, I'm actually friends with both Steve Sisolak and Joe Lombardo. 
And, um, that was another, you know, brouhaha. I had posted a picture of me and my husband and Steve one day when we were all in the Reno airport together, heaven forbid, I've known the man (laughs) for, for years, um, when he was County commissioner in Vegas. But, um, I did take a, a, a beating for that by the far right. And I don't care. Um, but, uh, Joe Lombardo, you know, he and I are also good friends. And I think that Joe one did a really good job. He surrounded himself with the right people. Um, and I think really what benefited him as well is the fact that people were still so angry with the way that Steve handled the lockdown and extended the, the emergency, um, you know, rules and that, that he was overseeing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that that helped Joe tremendously. Yeah. Now, a number of the same people that Joe has surrounded himself with are also those who surrounded Governor Brian Sandoval, who we know, you know, did did a good job the first round as far as Republicans, you know, viewed. And then once he actually had to start making those hard calls and legislate and not always fall in line, uh, with the Republicans, uh, you know, then he took a little bit of a beating the second go around, but in the end, the guy still pulled it off both times. Right. And I think he's probably, you know, one of the more, uh, now I, I don't want people getting mad at me, but across the board, despite party affiliation, he's one of the more successful governors that we've had in recent time. Yep. And, um, so you don't have to agree with him a hundred percent or not. Mm. It is what it is. And, and, you know, the guy's now president yeah. of University of Nevada, Reno, and he's, mm-hmm. you know, very successful. So you got to hand it to him. No, and you're I think right. Joe's probably going to be somewhat similar. You're right. Uh, I hope so. Uh, as far as Sandoval goes, I agree with everything you just said. He, he worked with Democrats. Decent guy. I liked him as governor. I thought he did a pretty good job. Uh, we'll have to see, wait and see what uh, Lombardo uh, does here in, in the great state of Nevada. I hope he succeeds. I'm rooting for him. Uh, I guess I would say this as far as Steve Sislak goes, and I think you'll agree with me on this. The man in the most important hour showed dignity and class. He conceded. He called Lombardo. He wished him luck. Adam Laxall ain't going to do that, right? He's not going to do that. And, oh, he conceded. Yeah, but he didn't, as far as, he did concede. You're right. It took him a yeah. long time to concede. But I'm talking about making a phone call to Mastow, wishing her luck. I'm here for you if you need any help. That's what Steve Sislak did. I don't see that from a lot. Not all. I, ga- yeah. I gave Dr. Oz credit. Well, but why are we not seeing that more from some of the Republicans, particularly here locally, reaching across, making that phone call like what Steve Sislak did? Listen, once again, I've been on the winning side and I've been on the losing side. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Some people yeah. just need to have a have a, a longer moment yeah. uh, to wrap their head around what just took place. I mean, this takes blood, sweat, tears, money, you know, tons of hours of work and, and hours away from your family. And so I understand the the sadness and the disappointment that happens with yeah. the loss. And um, you know, I have spoken with Adam mm-hmm. since. And, you know, we went through uh, you know, the areas that could have been improved and the areas that, you know, that, that he did really well in, um, and the areas where really the state party and the RNC could have stepped in because Catherine Cortez outspent him tremendously. Mm-hmm. And the guy had everything that a candidate could, could hope for, right? Yeah. He had Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. They hate each other's guts, but yet he was able to, yeah. you know, have both of their endorsements. He, 
He had, you know, the, the bus. He was touring constantly. He was on Fox News probably more than Sean Hannity. Was. Can I tell you, though, why? Since you know Adam, Amy, I respect your opinion. I, I think the reason why Adam lost, a couple reasons. First of all, endorsing Jim Marchant, who is a QAnon conspirator, number yeah, one. Yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah, I thought that was a stupid decision. And number two, the election denying. And here's what I mean by that. Just say Joe Biden is a free and fair elected president. Can we not? Uh, agree that, yeah, some improvements could be made with our, if you want to call it election integrity. I don't have a problem with that conversation. He refused to ever admit that Joe Biden was a free and fair elected president, and he still believes to this day that that Donald Trump won in 2020. I think most moderates and independents don't want to vote for people like that. See, I haven't heard those words come out of his mouth. And I'll tell you, I think what really um, hurt him as far as this election denying situation is yeah. one, yes, endorsing Jim Marchant. Right. But two was at the very beginning when we had, you know, attorneys come here claiming that the election had been stolen. And then you had him standing at the podium with Rick Grinnell, Matt Schlapp, right. and Michael McDonald, and they yeah. didn't have the evidence to back it up. And I don't think that was Adam's fault. I think that at that point you had what what people like to call grifters, right. you know, um, using him and standing behind him and using him as the scapegoat. I don't think I've ever heard him say that President Biden is not president. Well, I will give him credit for this. He did concede. Last I checked, he's not filing any lawsuits. He's not crying cheating. Right. And I give him credit for that because, you know, I gave Dr. Oz credit when he conceded the following morning. In closing, Amy, I, I just want to say this again. I'm sorry uh, that you and your family had to deal with these comments. Uh, you didn't deserve that. Your family doesn't deserve that. I know you're a nice person. Uh, you're a good family person and it's despicable. And I will always defend you or anybody when it comes to this sort of stuff. It has no business in politics. And quite frankly, it has no business in our society. It's awful if you, you know, and I hope if she is liable and you win a lawsuit against her, I know you already have one going. Uh, you deserve that. Uh, and uh, this can't happen and everybody needs to call it out. I wish more Republicans, you know, I wish conservatives that do radio shows would be calling you up and, and talking about this. Sadly, most of them are not. Um, and if it was a Democrat, I'd be doing the exact same thing. Amy, I really do appreciate you coming on. I know you're a nice person and uh, I wish you the best. And, thank you, Brian. and I hope uh, I hope we can have another discussion down the road. Amy, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's Amy Tarkanian, the former chair of the uh, Republican Party. Like I said, I haven't always agreed with her on a lot of stuff. In fact, you know the way I get on social media sometimes. I get a little bit emotional sometimes. And, and sometimes I let my emotions get the best of me sometimes. I'll be the first one to admit that. Uh, I've gotten into it with her husband. Her, I, listen, I've interviewed her husband dozens of times. I've interviewed Amy before. One thing I will say about them, they are good family people. They are good parents and um, they don't deserve this sort of stuff. Nobody does, quite frankly. And Michelle Fiore is a pig. She is disgusting in every sense of the word. Her comments are disgusting. Michael McDonald is disgusting. The Republicans out there that are quiet about this are disgusting. And the conservative talk show hosts in this town that will not be playing the audio that I played are cowards. And they're, they're Republican echo chambers and they are a joke. You do a radio show or a TV show or whatever it is that you do, you have to be fair and you call out the nonsense. You call out the bad. It shouldn't matter whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, but those talk show hosts today that I mentioned earlier, they'll be talking about Hunter Biden's laptop today. They'll be talking about how horrible the Democrats are or that Fetterman, you know, can't put a sentence together, but they 
They won't be talking about Herschel Walker. They won't be talking about Michelle Fiore's comments, and they won't be criticizing anybody within the Republican Party. Again, because they are Republican echo chambers. If that's the kind of stuff that you want to listen to, then have at it. But that is bad for the country. I haven't always gotten along with Amy Tarkanian politically, but I wanted her on the show because she is a decent person. I might not agree with her on a lot of issues, but she doesn't deserve this. And she is now the Liz Cheney of the Republican Party in Clark County. That's what the Republican Party did to Liz Cheney, and now that's what they're doing to Amy Tarkanian. They are a joke of a party, and it's and that is why I refuse to vote for the overwhelming majority of Republicans in this election moving forward until the Michelle Fioris get out of the party. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be speaking with Alan Snell from LVSportsBiz.com. We're going to talk a little bit more about Sisolak and Lombardo. What does this mean for professional sports here in Las Vegas? We'll talk about that next right here on Pushing the Limits on KSHP. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits, and it is a Thursday. So glad that you can join us. I heard a rumor. I don't know if it's true or not, but I might be getting some of the guys from Stone Temple Pilots to come on the show tomorrow. They're doing. Uh, they're actually honoring that band downtown on Fremont Street tonight. They're uh, part of the show downtown, the Fremont Experience. They have a new STP uh, little mini show that they do. You know, the show they do there every hour. And uh, so the guys from STP are going to be there tonight being honored. And then they have a show Saturday night. So hopefully we'll get some of those guys from iconic alternative rock band Stone Temple Pilots. I want to tell you guys quickly about uh, my good friends at Sahara West Urgent and Primary. Care located at Sahara and Flamingo, uh, 6125 West Sahara to be exact. No appointment needed. I was in and out of there in 20 minutes. They took care of me. I promise they'll take care of you. Give them a call. 702-248-0554. Best part is they accept most insurances, but if you don't have insurance, it's only going to cost you 95 bucks. Their website is SaharaWestUrgentCare.com. I promise they'll take care of you. They'll take care of, uh, I promise you they'll take care of you because they took care of me. I can't talk today, unfortunately. I don't know why that is. Uh, anyway, a man that knows how to talk who's joining me in studio right now. Great writer for LVSportsBiz.com. My friend Alan Snell joining me in studio right now. Alan, it's good to see you, my friend. How are you? Great. Uh, it's great to be here. It's great to see you, Brian. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the cyclist over here. I mean, this guy makes me feel like I'm 90 years old because this guy's cycling all over the place, all over the country and you're in tip top shape, right? Don't you cycle the Raiders games? I, you, used to i actually take my bike in my car and i find a nice little quiet place to park my car that's so and cool. then i just and then i just bicycle i love over that to the media entrance i love it and i like to say that i have the best parking at allegiant stadium i i absolutely love that um, I, I park the bike literally outside the media entrance that's so cool and it's smart and i'm just too lazy to do it i i, I can I, I congratulate you for doing that uh, before we get to your article about Steve Sislak and Lombardo, um, LVSportsBiz.com, uh, uh, you teamed up, correct me if I'm wrong, with uh, the Maloof brothers. Am I, am, I, am I right on that? Well, I have to thank um, the Maloof brothers. Yeah. Um, Joe specifically was a tremendous benefactor and supporter of LVSportsBiz.com. And I knew Joe and Gavin from doing profiles of them when I was at the Review Journal. I did several stories on them. and. Uh, about their efforts and then successful uh, attempt to bring the National Hockey League right. to Las Vegas. I got to know them really well. I really admired they had they um, they have a Spitfire, unconventional, fun style of mm -hmm. um, bringing sports. You know, people you know know they help as, a lot of people too. I they mean, do not just you. I mean, they 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 help a lot of business people and. 
you know, there's some people that are very successful that have a lot of money. They, they're not always helpful to others. No. And, and the and, Maloofs are not like that. And the thing I like about them is that they really are into spreading fun and sports in the Las Vegas market. Yeah. And, you know, um, Joe got the site right off the bat. I explained to him that it was a convergence of business and politics and sports, stadiums, fan issues. This would be everything outside of the courts and the fields. And Joe hopped on it. He totally got it. And from day one, we're uh, in, you know, we're in our sixth year. That's and, cool. Yeah, Congratulations. I, I was looking at, thank you very much. We're, I was looking at the traffic. We've had more than uh, 1.2 million readers. And, you know, we're a, a specialty site. And our focus is Las Vegas. And, you know, since really for the last 25 years, I've been fascinated by this convergence of sports, politics, and business in markets across the country. I actually got involved in the business of sports by covering Denver City Hall in the 1990s, yeah. 1997, 98, when Pat Boland, the, uh, the then owner of the Broncos, he wanted also a subsidized football stadium Isn't- for the Broncos. And at the time, um, I was covering City Hall, and I was fascinated that owners can just go to local governments or state legislatures and say, Hey, can you give me some free money to build a stadium? Right. Now, these issues are complicated. You know, we'll get into the whole Sisolak sure. versus Lombardo and mm-hmm. what's going to happen potentially with ballparks and this and that. But it's it's a fascinating convergence of sports and business because public policymakers theoretically should be crafting public policy and laws that help the most amount of people in your community. But, Alan, why, I agree with you. Why is it, though, that – I appreciate that you do this – when you, when you look at other forms of the media, whether it be radio shows, what have you, they're afraid to do politics and sports, right? They're afraid to really dive deep into business and sports. And I say to myself, why? Are you afraid you're going to offend people? Well, keep, keep in mind, Brian, that my background is government. I'm mm-hmm. an old-fashioned newspaper government reporter. Right. So I'm used to this. This is like second nature to me. Yep. Um, when sports filtered into the public forum mm-hmm. – came down to the state legislatures, came into City Hall, came to the county commission offices. I was fascinated by it. So when I'm reporting this, I'm, pr- I'm reporting it yeah. pretty dispassionately. Yeah. I mean, I, as you know, um, and I see it you know, at all the games. So I, I think it's important. You're everywhere be- just like me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to, yeah. to eyewitness and see things for sure. yourself. Because if you're a journalist looking to document you're really writing about yeah. history as it's going on. Of course. And I think you have to be an eyewitness to it. So that's why yeah. I make it a, I try. It's, you know, as you know, our market is booming and it's hard to get, be sure. everywhere. In fact, just Tuesday night, you had UNLV basketball mm-hmm. versus Vegas Golden Knights hockey. And we have, we have, yeah. we've had UNLV was a little more successful on Tuesday night. Yes, <laughs> that's indeed. for sure. So like, I want to get to the Lombardo Sislak stuff. I right. will in a few at the bottom of sure, the hour, sure. but let's get some of this stuff out of the way first. You've interviewed Mark Davis plenty of times. Um, I've gone to every Raiders game as you have. I see you at every game. I enjoy going to the games. I enjoy covering the team. I think Josh McDaniels is a decent guy. I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think Mark Davis is a bad guy. I think there's some really good people within the organization. Not bad people. But this is an embarrassment. What has happened to this team this year is an embarrassment. And I saw a lot, I take it they played the Colts, but there were a lot of open seats, uh, at that Colts game that I saw. Fans are booing. They're throwing, which I don't condone, throwing beers at Josh McDaniels. 
What do you make of this organization right now? Because it seems like there's a lot of unanswered questions. I heard a rumor, Bill Plasky, who uh, I think is a great journalist, put out a story saying that he believes that Davis is broke. He's out of money. He can't afford to fire McDaniels. Is there any truth to that? What do you make of Bill Plasky and what, what he said? Yeah, this is the first I'm hearing about that, Brian. Uh, quite frankly, I think the stadium has actually enriched uh, Mark Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep in mind that he was bestowed with $550 million in personal seat license. So you revenue. think that's nonsense? Then? I, I, I just, I discount it. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, they are generating more ticket revenue than any other NFL team. How in the do you league? charge $600 a ticket it's for this a, product? I don't understand. I think we have to kind of take a step back and just look at the product. And mm-hmm. that is a, you have the novelty of uh, a stadium that people want to check out. I think Las Vegas is a draw. And what's interesting about the crowds, especially this year and last year, especially last year even, mm-hmm. if you remember the teams when like Washington and Philadelphia rolled in and even Baltimore, you had a lot of tourists and visitors who were coming in. Kansas City and Denver, f- those fans flood Allegiant Stadium. I mean, you're talking about 40, 50, sometimes 55% of the crowd yeah. are tourists. They're not right. Raiders fans. So... It's still money in the bank for Mark Davis. And and also keep in mind that when they moved into the new stadium, they piled up literally 12 or 14 new corporate founding partners. Now, through reporting, I found out that those deals were worth $30 million a crack. You multiply $30 million times 12 or 14 different corporate founding sponsors, you're talking about 300 to $400 million in revenue that's, that came in. So, yeah. um, and also, because of the stadium, because of the revenue-generating ability of the stadium, the, the Raiders, if you notice, but, you know, this, I mean, for what it's worth, Forbes pegged them at $5.2 billion. Yeah. That's a lot of money. No, so, it is. It I is, mean, yeah. so I, I honestly, I mean, Mark Davis, I'm assuming, just went out and bought the last, you know, uh, whenever it was, a year and a half ago, I think it was January of, of 2021. He, he bought the Las Vegas Aces. Now I'm right. assuming he just bought, he wrote a check for that. So yeah, I, you know? when I saw Plasky talking about this, I, I was a little surprised by it as well. Here's what I think. And you could tell me whether you agree or not. I believe that they just signed this guy to a contract, Josh McDaniels. Obviously, Mark Davis is not happy with what's transpired this year. What I've heard through sources that are very close to the team is that McDaniels wants to clear house. He doesn't, I'm talking about players. He, right. he doesn't like the players that he inherited from the last regime or the last two regimes, I guess I should say. And, uh, he wants to, he wants his team to look very different next year. Yeah, I don't I, think Derek Carr is going to be the starting quarterback for the Raiders next year. I think there's a lot of guys that are not going to be here next year. And I think he wants to reset and get his own guys in here. But with that being said, I kind of, I kind of look at this as a business where you literally have a CEO who came in and inherited, uh, the current workforce. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It happens in business. It happens on Wall Street. It happens in corporate America. It does. So, so yeah. Someone comes in and you know what? They want their own people. Yeah. And uh, McDaniels isn't going anywhere. He and Ziegler are a, a package deal that came here. And yeah. I, I, I mean, I just don't see Mark. I see Mark Davis allowing McDaniels and Ziegler to have at least a, a year or two. I think so he basically, gets, like like you said, yeah. they're basically going to clean shop. What's really interesting, just go, going back to last yeah. year in the ten and seven year, 
<clears throat> I was fascinated that last year it was such a bizarre up and down season with some real horrible tragedies that went on last year. Yet they year. still make the playoffs. They they went from yeah. six and seven to yeah. ten and seven, and there was this amazing mojo among the mm-hmm. team winning these like last second field goal kind yep. of games. And then there was a funny comment that someone had mentioned on social media, which I kind of laugh. And you'll appreciate this too, Brian, because mm-hmm. um, uh, Kelly uh, McCrimmon, who's the GM at you know, going to the to Golden Knights. Remember season one with the Vegas Golden Knights? It was an incredible year I'm, sure. uh, at, at many levels. I'll never forget it. Yeah, yeah. many levels. But McCrimmon had a fascinating quote and his quote was, it was not sustainable. Yeah. It was not sustainable. And I thought about that quote when the Raiders went 10 and 7 and now they're 2 and 7 because I'm not quite sure last year's 10 and 7 team was a true 10 and 7 team. I'm not quite sure if last year's team was truly well, sustainable to win but, a, to win a Super Bowl. But, I think they they would be they have a better record than 2 and 7. Sure, but you know not sustainable making it to the Stanley Cup finals every year is very different. What the Knights have been able to do for the most part, not last year, be a playoff team and contend in the playoffs, uh, which is sustainable. Right. Uh, I believe an NFL franchise, it's very sustainable to be a playoff team. You're not going to make it to the Super Bowl every year. But what this team, in my personal opinion, if Basaccia was still the head coach this year and they kept the entire staff in place with the talent that they have, they would probably be in the hunt for the playoffs. I think they'd be in the four, five, five, four, yeah. six and three kind yeah. of record state. Yeah. And, and, and I think that was a mistake. I know that that was a mistake. But this happens in business, in the business world, Brian. I mean, someone comes in, McDaniels comes in. Mm-hmm. In effect, he and Ziegler are the combined, really, CEO of the football operations. <laughs> and yeah. what, what do people do? They clean shop and they want people who they believe in. In fact, you kind of saw a little inkling because a lot of the players who they did bring in had right. Patriots, background on their resumes sure no question all right so alan i have to ask you this when are we getting a major league baseball team what is going on are the a's coming here is there a stadium deal that's going to happen what is the latest that you know are we getting major league baseball besides spring training in las vegas right now i've never really i havenven't drunk in the uh drank the uh the kool-aid on this particular one I feel that NBA and this new arena being built by the OFU uh, group folks, mm-hmm. I think that is more realistic than the Oakland A's coming to Las Vegas. And I'll explain on several, on several fronts. Number one, and this will probably bleed into uh, the Joe Lombardo kind of transition as well, because, you know, as you know, teams move to markets because they want money from the local government to help build their stadium or arena. That's why you move. And Sisolak was interesting. As much as he loved sports, as you know, he was there mm-hmm. at the AC. He was there with Mark Davis sure. sitting courtside. He loved the Raiders. He loved the stadium. He loved uh, Formula One. In fact, he, his political commercials were actually sports commercials. Mm-hmm. But he never went on record for supporting the Oakland A's ballpark. There was never, ever one iota from Clark County commissioners or the governor about any public money for an Oakland A's stadium or ballpark. The Oakland A's are a regional team. That's the issue about Major League Baseball. It's mostly regional products. It's not a nationwide product brand like the NFL. MLB also, I think, demographically, it's a 50 and older kind of demographic. I think the NBA is the future in terms of – I'm also not really keen on Major League Soccer. So Major League Baseball, to me, um, I'm very cool about that. I'm much more hot about the NBA – 
coming to Las Vegas one, one but time. But we're talking several years down the road. It is several years. Yeah. But keep in mind, our market, we're a, we're kind of a medium-sized market. We're 2.3 million people mm-hmm. and growing. Granted, we are growing. And also, the teams and the developers and the stadium builders, they get easily romanced by this 43 million annual visitors. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of people flowing into our market. Do we know whether they're going to buy a, a, a ticket? They might or they might not. But still, the bottom line is we have 2.3 million people. And you know what? There are teams that are coming online every other week here. I mean, you have the G League team. Yeah. And you have the new lacrosse team playing it. What do you think about that? Wayne Gretzky, Dustin Johnson, just to name a few of the big celebrities, Steve Nash. If it's, you know, if they're selling their tickets in that 20 to $40 niche, I think they can sustain it. Where are those games going to be played? Is it Henderson? No, it's going to be those, the, um, I guess they're called the Desert Dogs, and yeah. they start in December, and they're going to be playing at the Aces Arena. Have they had any press conferences Bay, yet? They they had, they've, they... had, they've had um, a few things. They send me a few press releases now and then. You know, um, they were very high on this particular market. This is kind of funny. The National Indoor – this lacrosse league, they actually had a meeting here about two years ago, and I spoke to their commissioner. And I actually – I mean, this is before – Anyone even saw, you know, uh, indoor lacrosse on the, on the landscape here. I actually wrote a story for LV Sports Biz saying, guess what? The next major league team is not going to be NBA or MLB or MLS. It's going to be lacrosse. And you're, and you're actually, right. Yes. You're right. Do and you expect Wayne Gretzky and Steve, Steve Nash, who now doesn't have a job? Or Dustin or uh, Dustin DJ. Uh, I don't know if you'll be playing at a golf event, but do you expect no. them to be at the first game? Uh, yes, I think they'll, I think they'll show up. Yeah. I think, I think they'll show I've up. I've never seen a professional lacrosse. In fact, hold on. Let me, have I've you, never have seen, seen an seen actual the... lacrosse game in person, a full game in my life. I never have. Well, um, it's very physical. You're from the Northeast, so you're familiar with lacrosse. Of so, course. Uh, outdoor. Yeah. I actually went to Hobart College in Geneva. So that was Which bigger. is like one of yeah. the big lacrosse powers yeah. of, yeah. Uh, so I'm familiar with outdoor. The indoor, you know, game is uh, a little different. Um, have you seen the goalie outfits? They look like yeah. the Michelin man. Yeah. And they're, they're dressed wild. basically in these like gigantic. So you're allowed to like check guys against the boards. And I, this... I believe so. Wow. So that's, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's got that kind of, uh, hockey element. If you're just joining us, he is Alan Snell from, uh, lvsportsbiz.com. I'll open up the phone lines too. If you want to give us a call, you have a question for Alan, uh, 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to, uh, ask a question, 702-221-7283. Eight, three. We're talking professional sports everywhere in Las Vegas, whether it be the Raiders, the new lacrosse team that's coming to town that's uh, co-owned by Steve Nash, Wayne Gretzky, and DJ Dustin Johnson. Uh, we haven't uh, even really gotten into what the Aces have done here, but uh, I thought um, what Becky Hammond has done and what Mark Davis has done uh, with this Aces franchise, it really is awesome. It's a lot of fun. Not to say that Bill Lambeer didn't do a good job, because he did, but... Uh, I, I don't want to knock on UNLV basketball now, and I can't because they just had a huge win against top 25 Dayton, and I congratulated Kevin, and I think he's a great guy, but I actually had more fun. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually had uh, more fun at Aces games than I have recently at UNLV basketball games because the environment is louder. It's a lot more, uh, I don't know, I guess you could say family-friendly. Uh, the games, I'm not going to say they're played at a higher level because they're not. But the games fundamentally seem to be a little bit better. I love Kevin, and I love his father, Lon. They're great people. Lon, uh, a legendary basketball coach himself, of course. The brand of basketball was not very exciting. But well, I will say they have a fantastic defense. I mean, they, they do. Yep. I mean, that's, that's going to be their identity from what I can tell is they have a ferocious defense. 
and uh, they're going to be competitive. It certainly was on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. that's for sure. They're going to be competitive. Uh, I just think they're going to struggle to score, especially on the road. Uh, they'll compete, uh, but they're not one of the best teams in the Mountain West. Uh, all due respect to UNLV basketball with that win. It's a huge win for Kevin Kruger to beat a top. I don't even know when the last time was UNLV beat a top 25 team, but it's been a while. It's a huge win for them. There's, I'm not going to take yeah, anything and I away also, from Again, I take it from the business standpoint. UNLV provides a product, hopefully. The, the that, crowds have been awful. That, that, that would, would be a little more affordable for families. If you notice, Brian, let's face it, their demographic is the older sports fan. In I mean, they that, um, that was something I recognized right from the get-go when I began yeah. LV Sports Biz was their demographic is graying. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a much older and they do have to get younger fans. They have to get families in there uh, to kind of reignite that UNLV tradition. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, the fans have not come out to UNLV basketball games in quite some time. Alan, put on those headphones. We got a caller. 702-221-7283. Again, that number, if you want to be a part of the conversation, 221-7283. We got Alan Snell sitting in with me this hour from LVSportsBiz.com. And, uh, let's go to Fernando. Fernando, thanks for calling in. What's on your mind, my friend? Yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, this is a good topic. Um, um, Alan, you're talking about all these teams. Now we got the Vipers, we got the Desert Dogs, we got the Aviators, we got the Lights, we got this and that, all these semi-pro teams, I call them. They're not professional sports to me, in my mind. Do you think um, Las Vegas is over-flooding the market? It's getting there. I mean, it's something that has to be carefully monitored. And um, that's why I think Major League Sports, I think Major League Baseball needs to have a market that's a little bigger than we have right now. I think with bas- with the basketball tradition in this town, uh, I would also, if you're going to start the NBA in Las Vegas, I would. I don't know how you feel about this, Brian, but I would suggest that it be an expansion team that they start from scratch. Look at the dynamic and the emotional connection this market has with the Vegas Golden Knights mm-hmm. versus the Raiders. I mean, the reason the Golden Knights resonate in this town is that they were started from scratch. People, you know, and, yeah. and, and if you have the athletics just kind of parachute into town, I'm not sure you'd get that same or, and, or a team that would be moved here. I don't know. I'm just making this up. I hear, the, I hear the what Pelicans you're saying. Or the Hornets or whatever. I hear what you're saying, but my opinion is I don't care whether it's expansion or not. I just want NBA basketball in Vegas. Right, I saying, get what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm saying if yeah. you want a long-term business mm-hmm. relationship, I mean, you still I'll have- take the Pelicans, man. I've heard rumors <laughs> that the Pelicans are out of there. I'm just being honest with you. I'll take the Pelicans, but uh, I hear what you're saying. When you get an expansion team and it starts in the city, uh, you know, that's, fan- the, that's, that's the secret sauce it's a with nice the Golden thing. Knights. Yep. Because, because people um, grew up with the, uh, the launch of the franchise. Fernando, anything else? Too, Go ahead. Yeah. The other thing too is, um, they have to watch how they made the schedules because you have VGK and UNLV basketball playing on the same night. Yeah. That's gonna hurt attendance. Yeah, that's, you've right. You have, yeah, you raised a great point, Fernando, because the fo- the LVCVA, the tourism folks, the hotel folks, the hospitality industry, they have a calendar and they analyze every single date mm-hmm. how many people are coming in, what the occupancy rates are for that week, for that weekend, and they're looking at the weekends and schedules. So that's something which, and also the trade shows. A lot of people come in for trade shows. There's a lot of analysis that's being done in terms of the dates of the trade no shows doubt. and adding an extra day or two to accommodate a sports event. No doubt. Hey, Fernando, good to hear from you, my friend. Thanks for calling in. Great question. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. 702-221-7283. Let's go to John. John is next up on Pushing Limits. What's up, John? Hey, man. What's up? 
Hey, Alan, you uh, you you uh, you jog some old memories there with the uh, the Hobart Hobart lacrosse. Uh, uh, there you go, <laughs> the statesman. Uh, Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a Cornell guy. I played lacrosse at Cornell, oh, and one you. of my uh, I got news for you. I, the, the Hobart Cornell. For, uh, you guys would p- remember uh, playing Syracuse. Those were our biggest <laughs> games. Was Hobart versus yeah. Cornell, Hobart versus mm-hmm. Syracuse. I didn't think we'd be talking college lacrosse on this show. I got to be honest <laughs> with you. That's a topic. It's a topic. I'm, I'll be honest. I'll say I can't name you one head coach and one player in college lacrosse today. I'm sad to say. But go ahead, John. <laughs> hey, uh, Alan. I, I'm a diehard uh, Las Vegas Aces fan. I'm a season ticket holder, and I love my tickets. I love my seats. And I hope they stay at that arena for uh, the next 10 years. Uh, I know that their lease was up like last year, and uh, I was worried they were going to move, so they must have uh, re- you know, uh, re- uh, signed another lease or an extension. Do you know how long that extension was good for at the uh, at Mandalay Bay? I have to be honest with you, I don't. You know, I'm not going to make anything up. I mean, they seem to be comfortable playing at Mandalay Bay, and fans have uh, you know how to get there at this point. I just don't know what the lease agreement is between uh, the Aces and Mandalay Bay MGM Resorts. Fair enough. And that, that guy saying that Mark Davis is like, give me a break. Mark Davis is what a what a joke comment that is. He he's he's what he's paying Gruden ten million a year, and he's probably paying McDaniel's fifteen million. Hey, a year. I don't know. Please. All I gotta say is I know Bill Plasky. I've known him for years. He's a well respected uh, sports guy who's covered sports for many many years. Uh, he alluded to the fact that he thinks that the reason why Mark Davis will not fire Josh McDaniels is because they can't afford it and they have this huge contract and they don't want to pay him out. I don't, John, I have no idea whether that's true or not. I'm just telling Yeah, but my point is, if you're paying Gruden, still paying Gruden 10 and you're paying McDaniels 15 and you had enough, you can't pay $35 million for your head coach. You know what I mean? That's the- I agree. All I'm simply saying is they should have kept the staff from last year. You could be saying, Brian, you're Monday morning quarterbacking. Not true. I said that when they got rid of Basaccia and I said they made the playoffs. They earn the right to come back for one more year. If they miss the playoffs this year, then I think you can let them go. What that team was able to accomplish last year with all the off-the-field horrible tragic things that happened and I'm not talking about Gruden I'm talking about the rug situation killing an innocent woman uh with all that that happened off the field including the Gruden stuff the don't, fact that that team Arnett too and Arnett the fact that they made the playoffs was a great those players would have gone through a brick wall for Basaccia they love the guy let me let me ask you this, Brian. Yes. This, this is this is you know clearly Josh McDaniels is smart. Clearly he's a hard worker. Belichick wouldn't have kept him around all those years if, the, if those weren't true. Is he a leader? Because I think you're no. either born a leader no. or you're not. My Good question. question. Great question. Uh, I'll give you the answer. You are right. He's a kind of a geeky, smart, play-calling type guy, right? Uh, obviously, he had a lot of good years in New England as an offensive coordinator with yep. arguably the best player in the history of the NFL in his prime and Tom Brady and arguably the best coach in the history in the NFL and Bill Belichick that also helps so while I'll give him credit he obviously knew what he was doing he has zero positive experience as a head coach it didn't work out for him in Denver it's certainly he's lost like 24 of his last 30 games in the NFL the answer is no I don't think he's a good leader at all I believe he's already lost the locker room and you know what seven eight games into the season he's lost the locker room no I think the answer is no I don't care what players they get on this team next year I don't think Josh McDaniels is going to succeed here I hope I'm wrong but that's my opinion 
Yeah, it, does, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't look good at this juncture. Yeah, John, good to hear from you, my friend. Appreciate the call, buddy. Thanks, Joe, guys. All right, number to call seven zero two 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 one seven two eight three. Again, that number two two one seven two eight three. I am joined alongside Alan Snell from LVSportsBiz dot com. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Alan just wrote this article a few days back about Steve Sislak and Joe Lombardo. Uh, I know that Alan's a big fan of what Sisak was able to do in this city, particularly when it comes from a sports perspective. What is Joe Lombardo going to look like? Is he going to help this city from a sports perspective? I certainly have my opinions on this, and I know Alan does. I'll ask him that question when we come back. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. A great time! Your entertainment destination, the South Point, invites you to experience the ultimate great time! Under one roof! Bowling! Dancing! A live show! A movie! Delicious dining! And one of South Point's 11 restaurants! So much to see! So much to do! You won't know where to start first! This week, make it a South Point week and discover for yourself why the South Point is your entertainment destination for a great time! Best of Las Vegas winners each of the last two years. Glazed Donuts is a family business. Taste the passion and quality in each delectable handmade donut. Experience amazing fresh donuts at Glazed Donuts. Located at 6545 South Fort Apache Road on the southwest corner of Sunset. Glaze is open every day from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you're interested in large orders, please call them at 702-246-2888. Follow Glaze on Facebook and Instagram, where they're showing off all their delicious treats. And check them out at glazedonutslv.com. Look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Hey, everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. 
They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Experience the Artisan Hotel's theme suites, restaurant, bar, pool, and complimentary valet. During the week, the Artisan is a quiet Las Vegas retreat that's great for travelers and locals. The weekend is all about nonstop partying and the award-winning Artisan nightlife. All rooms include free gym access and Wi-Fi. The Artisan Hotel is centrally located between the Strip and downtown Las Vegas. Book your stay at artisanhotel.com. The Artisan Hotel, your unique Las Vegas boutique hotel. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Thursday. i got to talk to Alan uh, about this big sports weekend. I'll be watching some games at Jackson's Bar and Grill, by the way, located at uh, really right down the street from here. Everything's right down the street from the station, right? Flamingo and Jones. Jackson's Bar and Grill every Sunday, $50 free play in November if you earn 200 points. Tuesday and Thursday, a free wine giveaway if you earn 200 points. Some restrictions apply in every Vegas Golden Knights games, all TVs and sound. And pass the puck. You went up to 100 bucks in free play per period just for playing. Great food, great atmosphere. I love it out there. I uh, have some great friends there. Jackson's Bar and Grill. Go check them out. Tell them that I sent you. Me and Alan, we're just talking. And if you're just joining us, we are speaking with Alan Snell. Gosh, I almost called you Alan Stock. That would be an insult. Uh, Alan Snell from uh, LVSportsBiz.com. They do a great job. And I have other people from uh, the website that join us all the time. And uh, you got some great people working for you as well over there, Alan. And we were talking about the sports weekend. Let's get to that before we get to this article about Steve Sisolak. Um, we got some great college basketball in town. Uh, besides the fact that UNLV, just uh, as Numchuk just told me, beat a top 25 team for the first time since 2013, 14, which was Arizona. Uh, so that's a win right there for Kevin Kruger. It's a signature win for him. We got some great college basketball this weekend starting tomorrow at T-Mobile Arena. Great college basketball tournament. Tell me some of the teams that are going to be in town. Yeah, you have, you have Baylor. Top yeah. 25. Right. You have, I mean, Baylor is a top 10 team. They're very I good. I think what's interesting is we talk UCLA about – UCLA also. Yep, yep. Yep. What's I find it fascinating that you know everyone gets obviously uh, obsessed with the, with the big major league teams. Las Vegas is the king of the one-off sports event. That right. is what this market yep. is brilliant at. And a guy who's really tapped into this is a promoter, Brooks Downing. Yep. Brooks is promoting tomorrow night's event at uh, T-Mobile Arena. He's also been promoting events like uh at the new uh I call it, I call it the Foley Arena in Henderson, but it's a Dollar Loan Center mm-hmm. uh in in Henderson. And to, I mean that's a great example. Brooks is bringing big time basketball teams in these quote unquote holiday time kind of, you know, basketball tournaments. If you remember, he brought in uh an event that was actually the biggest college basketball crowd. I believe it was Duke versus Gonzaga. Yeah. At T Mobile Arena. That was one of the best college basketball games I've ever seen. That, that was a that was big time. That was that but was my, an my unbelievable point, game. My my point is Las Vegas excels at these one off events. Um because they all want to come here. People want to come yeah. here, and w- our infrastructure is built. Look at the way. Look at where our airport is located. You could li- people don't do this. I have walked 
from the airport to the strip. That's 10 it's minutes. not that bad. 10 or 15 minute walk. I mean, walking Tropicana might not be too pleasant, but the distance. <laughs> Depends what you're looking for, Alan. Speak for yourself. I'll ask Chris Wynn about that one. No, I'm I'm just kidding. Horrible joke. No, but in all seriousness, um, you're right. Uh, and and look uh, at F1. Why look at, look at the, the whole F1? Why are we not at the NCAA tournament yet? It's, it's ridiculous. Coming. It's going to come. It's ridiculous. How this, is the- this because we have the stadium now? Yeah, I expect a Final Four to be in Las Vegas in the next decade. It's got to be right. It's got to be coming here. I mean, this should have happened a long time ago. Ever since we got the, the whole Arena. sports betting issue is a non-issue. It's you know, it's, it's so. Would they have the Final Four? They probably have that at Allegiant Stadium. Oh right? yeah, they're going to have it at the stadium. For That'd sure. be Allegiant. That wouldn't be T-Mobile. You need no. a bigger place. You for need. That. You yeah. need. A st- that will be at Allegiant Stadium for sure, no yeah. doubt. So we got uh, some great college basketball this weekend. When are the Knights? When's the next home game for the Knights? The Knights actually go on the tr- – uh, they're in uh, Edmonton actually on Saturday. I believe they come back next week. And then and the Raiders are actually on the road. On the road against the Broncos, and uh, I think they're on the road for the next two weeks. Right? They're, they're away, that I know, uh, definitely for this weekend. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Raiders and that debacle. UNLV football, real quickly, we haven't really touched on that. I know you cover UNLV football, as I do as well. Uh, they start the season 4-1. and one. They've lost their last five games. Now they put themselves in a situation where they have to UNLV win their last UNLV football two. had attained something to me more important than even the wins, and that was a sense of relevance. They were on people's minds winning the first uh, four of the first five games, and then they were just, they got demolished. They got demolished. Uh, part in of it Jose, is their, part of it, an Air Force correct. demolished him. Notre Dame demolished. I mean, part of that is your starting quarterback getting uh, granted, hurt. But a part of that is injuries. also, again, a part, of, I'm just going to call it, is Arroyo. I don't think he's a good head football coach. Uh, listen, if they make a bowl game this year, and, and, and what's their big win this year? Right, uh, Utah going, State on the road. Going to Utah State, but yeah. they're not good. Utah State's not good this year. They were good last year. They're not good this year. They haven't beaten any really good football teams. Yes, if they make a bowl game, and that's the only way. If they make a bowl game and they beat two bad football, Hawaii is atrocious. By the way, you better win that game this weekend. I don't care if it's on the road. You got to beat Hawaii. That's number one. And number two, at home, another bad football team this year. Nevada is not good. You got to win these two games. If a Royal doesn't find a way to win both these games, it is another bad football season for UNLV football. Yes, I agree with you. The first several weeks of the year, there was some relevance there. Hey, this team's pretty good, exceeding expectations. But you got to make a bowl game. You have to make. You start the season four and one. It would. It definitely would have been nice to, to beat a Fresno. You know, to beat. They're a, good. Fresno's know, pretty. Fresno's good. Fresno's good. They, they got I, a very, I was good very impressed quarterback. Yeah, I think, and, that, and a receiver. I think yeah. that. In fact, it's funny that quarterback receiver duo reminded me of. Um, Carr and Adams from 10 years ago. A little bit. Yeah, from 10 State. years ago. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Fresno's got a good football team. They have a but couple you're right. of I mean, NFL they, they, players. They need a yep. signature win. They need, you know. They don't have you, it. UNLV got a lot of buzz from beating Dayton. I mean, I think. Or do you agree with me that, and by the way, rightfully so, Kevin Kruger does deserve buzz for that win. Do you agree with me that you deal with these coaches just like I do? And I love Kevin well, Kruger, right? Arroyo to me is just a weird guy. He's not good with the media. He always seems agitated when he seem, when he when he talks to us. I don't like the way he answers questions. Uh, even Josh McDaniels, he's good with the media, right? He's honest. He's always good with us, right? Uh, Becky Hammond is the best. I love Becky Hammond. I liked Bill Lane Beer. Um, I love Cassidy. I think he's great. He's honest. He wears his heart on his sleeve. I I, I love the way he answers. Didn't really like DeBoer very much. Loved Gallant. I don't have a problem with any coaches in this town. The only person that I'm not too fond of is is Coach Arroyo. I just don't like him. And I hear from past players that played for him, and, and I hear some people say, you either love him or you hate him. And I'm like, you conduct yourself like you've won national championships and you're, and you're going to the Rose Bowl. What have you done here? 
You were an offensive coordinator. You were an average college quarterback. What have you done here yet, right? You've lost five games in a row. I get it. If you make a bowl game, some people are going to paint him out to be some sort of hero, I guess. Not me, but I'll say, hey, job well done. You made a bowl game. Let's let's go back to back. Do you f- agree with me that he, sometimes he just conducts himself I, as arrogant? Yeah, I, I don't ask him questions. I'm not really asking him questions about the games. I'm covering it, again, from the business side. Right. However, my observation, especially in year one into yeah. year two, is that I thought he was major leaguing the media. That was my mm. own opinion. I, I agree. Think, I think he has improved. I think he has become a little more, um, a little more friendly and he seems to be connecting a little more. But, uh, when he came here, I think, you know, keep in mind, he did have, I think his resume does include a stop, I think, with the Tampa Bay Bucks and the NFL. And my impression was that, hey, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm in the major leagues. UNLV is kind of a, a down program and, I, I, that was just my general, you know. Then he shouldn't have taken the looking, job. Uh, you know, looking at him from outside. He shouldn't have taken the job then. I know he had a relation, some sort of relationship. I'll put that in quotations with uh, Desiree Reed Francois. She hires him. Glad she's gone. Glad she's gone. What did you make of her as an athletic director? Uh, she was ambitious. Yeah. I mean, she was, amb- I mean, she, she, um, obviously had her, her career. Um, prospects <laughs> beyond Las Vegas. No question. And I agree. So. No question. All right. Let's talk about this article you wrote, which I thought was a well-written article in regards to the sports aspect of Sislak compared to Lombardo. I think we all could agree Sislak, champion of professional sports here. I'd say hello to him and his wife, lovely wife at every uh, Aces game. I voted for Steve Sislak. I did not vote for Lombardo. I didn't, I didn't think Lombardo was a great sheriff. Uh, I don't know if he, how he's going to be as governor. I don't think the sky's going to fall. Do you think Lombardo will be able to reach those expectations and what Sislak did here as governor in helping sports franchises in Nevada? Right. Let's just take a step back and talk about wh- what Sislak did. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a huge proponent, even when he was the county commission chairman, of the public subsidy to build the Raider Stadium. Right. Keep in mind that he also, in the in the commission, did approve the Raider Stadium plan when it had, uh, I think, about 3,000 parking spaces when the local county uh, guidelines said they needed something like 16,000. So Steve Sisolak has been a big proponent, big advocate for the Raiders and their stadium. Uh, He's been a very big proponent of the Aces. You know, he and Mark Davis sat courtside. He was a big proponent for the Formula One and that event going on. And he was a, a big proponent for the uh, the aviators. I mean, he was there. You know, uh, Steve Sisolak used to joke, and this is his pat joke about he loved going to the stadium and uh, and ballpark groundbreakings, and he actually had more shovels than Home Depot. That was <laughs> that was his go to line. It's a funny line. Yeah. yeah. And he, I, I got to tell you, just to put things in perspective, Brian, I've covered the business of sports in South Florida, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Denver, and Metro New York. I have not seen an elected official so uh, expressive and exuberant for the sports products. And it's more than just being a fan. I mean, it converted into public policy that helped the teams. And I'm leading up to the fact that I don't – Joe Lombardo has not discussed one iota about the role of sports uh, in our community. Have you I ever mean, seen him at any of these games? I, for, I, I, he's been to Vegas Golden Knight games. So he, yes, okay. he was he was there at season one. I've never seen him at a Raiders game. I've never seen him in an Aces game. I yeah. just want my governor, and he's going to be our governor. I want him to be at games. 
And I know that you can't go to every game. You're a busy guy. You're the governor. I get that. Well, I Sandoval think, went to a lot of games. Right. Um, what's interesting about sports, and this is why I like covering the topic, is that it's nonpartisan. In terms of public policy and subsidies for sports, it's not an ideological platform of a Republican or Democrat. There's some Republicans and some Democrats that support $750 million to help build the Raider Stadium. By the way, it's more than $750 million because our market actually is collecting more than a billion dollars in uh, hotel room tax revenue to pay off the debt for the $750 million. So we you know, that's a 30-year repayment period. We'll be raising more than a billion dollars. That's a huge commitment. There are Republicans and Democrats who support that, and there are Republicans and Dem- Democrats who oppose it. That's why I like covering the topic. It's not partisan. It's not ideology. And I kind of... Las that Vegas. Is, that is true. In Las Vegas is a fascinating market because the yeah. things we do in terms yep. of public subsidies probably would not fly in other markets. Yeah. I mean, we sunk a lot of money into the stadium because we are a tourism-based economy. Isn't that a uh, you and you bring so, up, so so I mean you bring up an interesting point though because we are we are so divided right now politically. But I think one of the not I think I know uh, the, the things that really bring us together as a country are usually a couple things. Sports being one of them, music, you know, concerts, stuff like entertainment, right? And um, that's the great thing about sports, right? Uh, even though you in today's day and age still see certain politicians like Ted Cruz went to the Yankees game when they played Houston in the uh, World Series, and I know uh, Ted Cruz was booed pretty badly by the New Yorkers, uh, rightfully so, by the way. I'd boo him too, but 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 for the most part, sports is brings right. us together. Yeah, I just don't know. I've I've made inquiries and I've tried to um, talk to Joe Lombardo. I've been you won't successful, talk to him? and yeah, I'm, you I'm, and me I'm, both. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying. I mean, I just want to. Could just get his perspectives on. So you've reached out to his campaign and they haven't been receptive to Not you. yet. But no. I mean, I, I want to give it a little time and they just had a big uh, election. I'm going to give them, you know, a few what weeks. What do you to- make of the story though? You being, listen, you're in the media, just like I am. I'm sure you heard the story that he didn't allow some Las Vegas Sun reporters into his acceptance speech. Well, I, I, as a journalist, if, if you're a governor and you just won an election, I don't understand why you're shutting off access to anyone in the media. Well, he just doesn't like them, and it's wrong. Right. right? And, and to yeah. me, that I, I, it just struck me as kind of petty and small-minded. I mean, I'm a journalist. I'm going to support every journalist's right to collect and report news. Generically speaking, that's it's codified in our Constitution. Well, I, and had, I think I that's had, important. I, and, and also keep in mind that he kind of, I think, what's sad is that you know, at the at his um, little, you know, for his first speech as as the governor elect at the Rancho High School, the, you know, the high school he went to, I get it, you know, that's where it started. I have no problem with that. But then, you know, the reason was that there wasn't enough seats for the Nevada Current and the Las Vegas Sun to have media representatives there. And then the pictures came out of all these like rows and rows and rows of empty seats. Also, the, he brought up the issue of transparency. You can't bring up the issue and say, I want to be transparent and then cut off access to the media to cover the first, cover the first speech that you, that you're presenting when you're the governor elect. But that's strictly, that's not really public policy. You know, that has to do with, I think, just doing the right thing in terms of making your information. All the people want to do is report about you. I mean, you don't even know what they're going to report about. I mean, just allow them the access to to, to see it in person. I had John Ralston on yesterday. We were talking about this. And John was kind of alluding to the fact that, hey, let's give him a break. This might be an isolated incident. And, And I love John and I respect him to death. But here's my opinion. I don't think this is isolated. 
He had conversations with Stephen Klubeck, big Democrat donor here, about wanting to take down the Las Vegas Sun because uh, he didn't like some of the articles that Greenspun and that group were writing about him. Uh, he doesn't like to be challenged. And I know some politicians, there were times where Sislock didn't like being challenged either, but he never said, no, you can't cover any of my events either. Um, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that Lombardo is going to be, I'm right, everybody else is wrong. Now, I, li- I know that he likes to say he wants to work with everybody and he's everybody's governor. Actions speak louder than words. So my main concern with him is not even really policy. It's more about inclusion. And he better allow people to cover him, you know, his press conferences, everybody. And he better not withhold information like he did as, uh, at Metro. That's, that, that's my big concern well, with him. Well, keep in mind, again, I, I kind of look at these workplace issues as culture. Like you said, he comes from a police background. I mean, to, I mean, I don't even know what government public policy shaping that Lombardo has done. And yeah, I do yeah. have to say, um, I did read the list of the people on his transition committee, and there were some names in there that I think will help him, uh, guide him in terms of A lot of, of being people in the Sandoval uh, yeah, I mean, administration. Right. Yeah. And you had, um, you know, like Jeremy Aguero, uh-huh. who is the principal of, you know, he, I mean, he, he was a consultant that worked on the stadium, for example. So he's going to be getting input from someone who has done research on, well, listen, uh, on Alan, stadium I, and arena growth. I don't like Joe Lombardo personally, but I am rooting for him because I know if he succeeds, then the state will succeed. I want him to do well. Like I said, my concerns are don't be a dictatorship. Allow everybody to cover your events, even people you don't like. I don't like the fact that he doesn't do interviews with people that are going to challenge him on things. Uh, you know, that I don't like about right, but him. But I would either. personally like to see what his position is about the Oakland Athletics baseball park. It's a good question. I mean, Steve Sisolak yeah. clearly was against it. And the reason was that he's very close friends with Mark Davis. Mm-hmm. And Mark Davis and the Oakland Athletics butted heads at Alameda uh, Stadium in Oakland. Yeah. You know, that there's, I mean, that's not really a big secret. I mean, everyone knew that. And um, Sisolak and the county commission in Clark County said no public money for Oakland Athletics Baseball Park. Joe Lombardo? Question mark. I don't know what, well, let me say what his this. position you is. Better not and, get and, in I'd the like, way. and I'd like to hear it. Joe Lombardo, you better not get in the way because a lot of people before you have paved the way. I'll start even with Oscar Goodman with the NBA All-Star Weekend that was here many years ago that I covered. Uh, we got the Vegas Golden Knights here, extremely successful franchise. Would not have happened, yes, without Foley, but also without politicians here that wanted it to happen, including Oscar Goodman. And, and the Maloofs, too. Don't and the yeah, Maloofs. Yeah. Okay, we got the Knights here. And then all of a sudden, the Raiders come to town. And that was not because of Joe Lombardo. None of this stuff happened because of Joe Lombardo. That was Lombardo. because of a stadium that was um, approved by, actually, both parties in the state legislature. Correct. Joe and, Lombardo. And Brian Sandoval, who is a Republican, sparked that whole movement. And we talked about Sandoval with Amy Tarkanian. I was right. like, Sandoval, I thought he was a pretty darn good governor and a decent man and a man that was willing to work with Democrats. We need more people like Sandoval in office. And I hope Lombardo was that guy. I am hesitant to say that. I don't know. But Alan, even if he is not pro sports or pro A's coming here, whatever, just don't get in the way. Don't get in the way right. of what the people want here. I don't. I suspect. I don't think he's going to hurt the, the growth of the sports at all. I mean, right now it's a machine on the move. I it mean, is. Teams it is. are coming here. Uh, I don't think he's going to be in the way. I. I just don't know if he'll be as enthusiastic and as play kind of an advocacy role like Steve Sisolak. I doubt that Joe is going to, you know, hurt sports per se. I just don't see him being such as ultra uber kind of. 
uh, advocate like Steve Sisolak. Right. Understood. Which, which, which yeah. I think would be hard for anyone to yeah. really. So obviously you have advertisers on your website at the same time you take contributions from people that uh, enjoy it. So I, I want to also give you an opportunity uh, to give out that information. How do people, first of all, finding you on social media and uh, getting involved with lvsportsbiz.com? Yeah, we have a uh, a small but mighty little news site, lvsportsbiz.com. Our our stories are actually quoted nationally and our traffic actually this this month's traffic is the highest in 12 months, so we're definitely improving. Um you know, it's uh, as you know, it's hard to get advertisers and it takes yeah. a lot of hard work yeah. and we re- we do rely on contributions. Right now we do not have a paywall. There's a lot of sites that do are charged for you to get access to their stories. You read our content for free, and it would be great if people can just simply go on the site. There is a window that pops up. You can make a contribution right through the window. It could be that simple. Or if you want to uh, contact me directly, I'm at asnell, which is A-S-N-E-L, at lvsportsbiz.com. And uh, I just want to let you know we're having we're relaunching our top of the escalator feature. We used to talk with fans as they got off the escalator before Golden Knight Games on the on the main concourse. Mm-hmm. They would enter in the lobby, come up t- uh, to the main concourse, and we'd actually have a tripod and a camera. We'd interview fans. We kind of uh, put it uh, in mothballs because of the pandemic. And I'm proud to say that we are reigniting top of the escalator 2.0. On the next homestand. So you fans at the Golden Knight games. In fact, Brian, you too should, I need you to swing by and like, I might have to do that. It's, I'm lazy though. I I just take the (laughs) elevator. I just go, I just go stop at at the, at at level one, Brian, and come on. (laughs) I just go elevator up to the media room. Give me my popcorn and candy and my laptop. Let me sit there and watch some NHL hockey. You know me. I'm, I'm lazy. I'll be doing that tomorrow at the, uh, college basketball games i'm wondering what the attendance will be i mean i don't know uh you got a lot I think of the final will, will, will be really good yeah you know, I, was, I was mentioning you uh the duke gonzaga game that, oh, that was, was a month awesome. that was like twenty thousand sold out uh i, I think benchero was, of course number one pick uh watching right. him play a lot of nba had a lot of good players a lot of nba yeah. talent was on that floor that was such a well-played basketball it was and, an electric game I and mean, i watched shashevsky and i interviewed you know i asked him a question about vegas after the game he gave me a great answer um because that was of course you know, talking about fond memories of, of Jerry Tarkanian right, and, right. and, of course, him coaching the USA basketball team. He had a lot of fond memories. And he told me after that game in the media uh, room, he said, you know, I told my players in the locker room, that's that was Kobe Bryant's locker. That was LeBron James' locker. I just thought that was so cool. Um, say what you want about Coach Krzyzewski, um, but uh, showed a lot of class on his way out. He's also buddies with Steve Wynn. I mean, he's they're to, very close. Yeah. Yep, they're, they're very close. Steve Wynn has fallen off the graces of a lot of people the last yeah. several years. But uh, anyway, Alan, I do appreciate you being here as always. Uh, appreciate appreciate you coming in studio, and you're a good man, and you do a great job covering uh, lvsportsbiz.com. Um, I will say this though: if Liz Cambage ever comes back to town, <laughs> I want you to be the one to ask all the questions. I really do because I know she got a little angry at you, and she. Is the worst human being in the history yeah, of the WNBA. I, I, so. I, I, I don't foresee Liz uh, coming back to the Aces roster. She is just an awful too. person, uh, and uh, I have nothing nice to say about her. But anyway, I have a lot of things to say nice listen, about you, Alan. <laughs> listen, Brian, uh, there are few people who combine politics and sports the way you do. In fact, a lot of people honestly don't have the backbone to actually do it, and you do. So you deserve a lot of credit. I mean, and that's why I think I enjoy talking with you is that for a lot of our topics, you know, like Sisolek and Lombardo and the Oakland A's and this and that, there are very few people who really get into 
this convergence yeah. because most people just want to stick to sports and they don't want, but the fact is if you're going to develop sports in a market you can't help but get involved with with economic development and politics and sure. business well i appreciate you saying that that's very nice yon and yeah i talk about a lot of the things that you have on your website every day so i appreciate you coming on that's probably why we get along uh alan snell everybody alan appreciate you being here all right folks that's a wrap we will see you tomorrow on the show and uh we're gonna have some fun tomorrow uh we're gonna be previewing what will be a very exciting weekend here in las vegas have a great day everybody we'll see you tomorrow